It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- 3-1-381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, June 16th, 2016 is on tonight. Thank you for joining us. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Good to be with you as well. Before we get too much farther, I'll introduce our driver tonight. Uh, Kyle's behind the board. Kyle, welcome to the program. Uh, it's uh, good to be here. Thank you for having keep me. It, having keep you. it in the road, Kyle. Yeah, he's driving for us tonight. Good to have you with us. Uh, I see Kevin in the chat room. Been a while since we saw him. Hey, Kevin. Arthur's in there as well and some others. So thank you for being here with us tonight. Uh, 877-381-4567 is the number to call toll-free. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use. And as we mentioned, the chat window to the bottom of your video feed. If you're watching us live tonight, we want to hear from you. You make the program better when you talk and we don't have to. That's exactly right. We want uh, listener participation for sure. All right. A little housekeeping real quick. Uh, uh, we're, we're trying to build this up about a month away now. July 18th and 19th, our community Bible study here in Columbia. Uh, we, we do this each summer. We go to a uh, neutral site. We use an auditorium building in downtown Columbia called the Memorial Building. And uh, for two nights, Monday and Tuesday, July 18th and 19th, we just call it Community Bible Study. Uh, our speaker this year is going to be Steve Klein from Athens, Alabama. Probably a number of our listeners know Steve or know of Steve. He's a, he's a really good teacher and preacher. And he's going to be talking on the theme this year. Our theme is going to be the Christian and his vote, the Christian and his or her vote. Now, how should we as Christians be looking at this upcoming election? What sort of things should be our priorities as we consider the candidates and as we um, make plans to vote in the in the big election this fall. I think the election this fall is really a big one, not just because there's a presidential candidate. I mean, people always get more excited about an election that has a presidential uh, uh, race in it. But uh, whoever is elected president this year is probably going to nominate three or four Supreme Court justices. That's huge. Now, that may make this a bigger presidential election than any we've had in recent times uh, because the Supreme Court uh, is such an influential body, and they really do impact things pertaining to morality in America. Our interest is not politics. Our interest is not particularly economics. That might be on our personal radar, but that's not on our religious radar. But the moral issues at stake are very important. And just think what the Supreme Court has done uh, just recently uh, said that same-sex marriage was legal in all 50 states, must be recognized in all 50 states. They, uh, 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 of course, not that terribly long ago, 40, 40-something years ago, made abortion legal in all 50. The Supreme Court did that stuff. And so that's just how much the Supreme Court can can affect moral things in our society. And that's why it would be really important to have 
the right kind of people appointed to that Supreme Court by whoever may be elected president in the upcoming election. All that kind of thing has to be taken into consideration. But our priority as Christians in voting has to involve those moral issues. All right. So uh, we want uh, you to make plans to be at the community Bible study. And if you need more information about that, send us an email at any time. If you're within driving distance, it'd be worth a drive to come to our community Bible study. Steve's a really good speaker and teacher. We know him, and he's he has spoken for us here at College View in the past. Been on the virtual Bible study with him. Been on the virtual Bible study, and we think he does an excellent job. You will not be disappointed if you spend your time to come this year. All right. Uh, We hope you'll make plans for that. Also, we've got some bumper stickers still that if you want one to advertise a virtual Bible study, send us an email, questions at collegeview.com. And, uh, well, on to the topic, I guess. All right. Earlier today, to our update list, as we always say, get on our list if you're not. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. You'll get our email update uh, sometime just before noon on Thursdays, typically. And today we see 11.19 a.m. At 11.19 a.m. Central Time, we sent out uh, an email update telling you what our topic is going to be. Basically, our topic is we want to explain ourselves. Okay. And we want to answer the question that people might ask us. Why are you so interested in me? Why do you go to all these lengths to try and reach me with your message? Why are you trying to get me? Uh, so that's sort of our theme. We want to explain ourselves. Why are we interested in people? Why, why do we try to teach people? Why, why are we, we evangelistic? Why are we evangelistic? Why do we reach because out? Because there are some groups that are... Uh, self-described as non-evangelistic. Yeah. And there are some folks who see evangelism as just sort of being revived. Yeah. Why would you care? Yeah. I mean, one, one, especially if one religion is as good as another, why would you be trying right. to reach me? I, and one of the questions we want to deal with is the idea of a, uh, of a person who says, but I'm already a member of a church. Why are you trying to talk to me? I, I'm already a member of a church. Yeah. We, we want to explain those to those people what our motivations are. And so the questions that we sent out, number one, what would you list as some of the non-factors in our attempt to reach people? In other words, what things are not or should not be our motivation in trying to reach other people? Yeah. Number two, bottom line, what should be our true motivation in reaching out to people who are not Christians or with whom we differ religiously? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Number three, how would you answer the person who says, but I'm a member of a church already? Why are you trying to talk to me? I'm already, I already attend the church. Number four, what's wrong with denominationalism? Mm-hmm. And number five, is the Church of Christ a denomination? All right. Good. Uh, good questions tonight, and we've got some good feedback so far. We'll look forward to the others joining in. You know, as I read your questions today, one thing that came to mind, and we can maybe slide it in here a little bit, is on the idea of motivation. Some are maybe motivated for the wrong reasons, but some are using illegitimate means of attraction uh, to try and either sugarcoat their their objectives or uh, to try and um, sort of lure people in uh, this idea of evangelism, and we can maybe squeeze some of that in. Yeah, that, that, that what we're trying to use as the drawing card is the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And the true and gospel not, only. Yeah, it's and, what and not they, something else. It's what they use in the first century. You look at churches today... And there's one down the road from us, a little small country church, and they're they're advertising their ice cream suppers, their game nights, and I don't see anything about what the gospel. What they're teaching, yeah, yeah. But yeah. they're they're into these. They, and but and we see that in the denominational world, but they're members of the Lord's Church who are sadly 
guilty of doing the same. I'm I think so. I think right. so. Okay. You know, uh, I, I just wrote down some of the things that we have done and continue to do trying to reach people in our community. We just talked about that we every summer we have this community Bible study. We spend quite a bit of time planning for that, quite a bit of energy uh, and money advertising that in our community. And typically we have a pretty good response. We've, that's why we keep doing it because we're very encouraged that in our community lots of people have been turning out for these things. Right. Uh, but why do we do that? Uh, we advertise in the newspaper. We advertise on the radio. Uh, we print, fold stuff, stamp, address, mail, hundreds and thousands of, of different pieces of mail. Uh, every year we hold gospel meetings. Uh, uh, we knock on doors. We pass out literature. We call on prospects. We personally visit and invite people. We put bumper stickers on we our cars. Put bumper stickers. You know, and I, I got to tell you something. I'm not a big bumper sticker guy. I, I kind of like my car to be kept neat and clean. Nondescript. Yeah, I've, I've never, I have, I've effectively never had bumper stickers on my car because I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like that look on my car. But I put these bumper stickers, I put virtual Bible study bumper stickers on my car. I, and and for our members locally, we print bumper stickers for this community Bible study. I put those on my car. I don't really like that on my car. I don't like stuff like that on my car. But I do that. Why do I do that? Yeah. Right. You know, that's the question. You know, why, why do we go to the, to those extremes? That's what we're, uh, uh, we, we, it's really a fair question. Uh, I think we, we'd have to say that that's a fair question. Uh, and if someone says, well, are you doing that because you want me to become a member of the Church of Christ? My answer would have to be yes. Yeah. That, that is, that is right. it. But, but, uh, there may be some aspects of that that you don't understand concerning why we're motivated to try to cause you to be a member of the Church of Christ. Uh, uh, we want to recruit people. We want to bring people. We want to convert people. But maybe explaining our motivation to people would be very helpful. Yes, and uh, you asked for some non-factors and some good answers from our listeners tonight, Kent and Georgia. Both of our, well, actually, both of our listeners are from Georgia tonight, uh, our answers at least. Uh, he says, growth for the sake of numbers alone is a non-factor, not a legitimate reason to be motivated in this area of evangelism. You know, a lot of people do that. A, yeah. lot of, a lot of people are motivated by numbers. I think we see a lot of that in the religious world. People just going for the numbers. The more numbers, the better. Uh, uh, you know, if we could boast about our numbers, how many and how fast they are, our numbers are growing, uh, a lot of people would take some real satisfaction in that. Um, but, you know, in the New Testament, when we read, that never seemed to be what they were keying in on. Uh, now, in the book of Acts, uh, numbers are mentioned early on in the right. book of Acts. In the first few chapters, right there in Jerusalem, it, talk, it talks about how many were being converted. But after those initial reports of the numbers who were being converted in Acts, there doesn't seem to be any much emphasis on how many. It just talks about people coming, people learning, people obeying. Um, uh, they didn't seem to be making that their emphasis, and I don't think we need to be making that our emphasis either. No, and we see Paul being uh, directed to go to Macedonia for apparently a handful, a handful of a, people, a few, a few people, uh, and so it was not a, a, a large scale thing. So numbers apparently were not the primary purpose. Uh, here's what Kent goes on to say about uh, wrong reasons to be motivated. He says. 
this idea of growing for the sake of numbers alone. It does not accomplish the purpose of the of New Testament evangelism to produce an increase in numbers lacking in true spiritual conversions. No doubt both liberalism and worldliness is brought into the local church when we do not seek true conversions. I think that's right, Ken. I think that is. You know, a lot of people are tempted to water down the gospel because it will make it more popular. Don't take a hard line on moral issues. Don't take a hard line on things that others would have objection to. And certainly that method does produce more converts. It's a, yeah. an established fact. But as Kent mentioned, it does not accomplish the purpose. Yeah. And Kent, I think you're right on. I mean, that uh, liberalism, worldliness uh, has 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 caused us to... Or has caused many to try and bring in people who are, are not really converted. They're just being brought into a sort of a social circle. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. All right. Um, and so let's say I am. Um, well, we have to go this far now. A homosexual, and, I, and you water down the truth on that teaching, and you bring me into the church, and I remain a homosexual. Have you done any good? You got numbers. Are you sure haven't yeah, we're gonna uh, have snatched out- my soul out of the? Let's say we're going to have this outreach to homosexuals, and we're going to make we're going to make them feel real welcome, and, and 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 of course we should make homosexuals feel welcome. But what these groups are doing is make them feel welcome in that sin as they continue in that sin. Right. Come as you are. But it, it could be anything else. It could be drugs, uh, alcohol, unscriptural divorce and remarriage, foul uh, language. Uh, you know. It, Anything, as long if we're saying we just want you to come, you don't have to make any changes in your life. You don't have to do different. You don't have to repent. Just come. Then that's that is just seeking to grow the numbers. Yeah. And you can grow your numbers if you want to grow the numbers. You can grow them. Oh, and that's happening all over. Yeah. Exactly right. Mega churches. Uh, uh, Thousands. Exactly right. So I think Kent's on, on the mark. Also, uh, Chris, our friend Chris in Atlanta has also responded. He said, we shouldn't be doing this for our own recognition or glory. Don't you think some people are doing that? Don't you say, think some of these uh, uh, well-known TV evangelists are doing it to, to boost their own uh, egos? Uh, you know, they're, they're rock stars, right. and, and, they, and they apparently crave that. So you have to, and, and you don't have to be a... a Big, in a big mega church to have this to fall prey to that same temptation yeah you, you've got to be careful that we're not doing we're doing it for reasons other than our own glory he also says doing it to show someone up in other words to show someone our moral superiority uh so again that's the sort, sort of the idea of our glory or recognition yeah i think you're right on those chris i think you're right chris. on both of those things all right uh, you know, we're, we're not trying to, as we said, grow the numbers. We're not trying to build a wider social circle. Uh, you know, this is not about providing greater opportunities for social recreation and entertainment. But you see a lot of religious groups who, who are making that an emphasis. There's, there's parties, there's suppers, there's games, there's, there's sports, there's recreation. And a lot of people are drawn to that sort of thing. And you can draw a lot of people, if, you know, and, and lots of these religious groups have built great big facilities that have gymnasiums and workout rooms and uh, everything that you might imagine that a social club would have, and they have it. Uh, you know, we're running along on a break, but this is a uh, this is a hot button for me. It's shameful that people 
in the denominational world today are so ashamed of the gospel that they have to lure people with these trinkets and carnal attractions that they no nobody would care about hearing the gospel. So what we're going to do is we're going to draw them in with some basketball or some dunking booze or whatever you want to call it, popcorn and, and cotton candy. Yeah. Rather than presenting what they need, the gospel. Paul said in Romans one sixteen that he wasn't ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Is, is it, it is the power of God to salvation, yeah. not basketball and whatever. And, and, and is it not notable that none of that stuff is 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 in the New Testament as 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 they were spreading the gospel throughout the known world of that day, as Paul was going everywhere, establishing churches in every church, every city that he could they could reach. There's not a hint, not even a hint of that sort of thing. Well, does that not does that not bother people that that the religious group that they're a part of is engaged in all manner of things? In fact, primarily involved uh, in in so many things that that are not ever read about in the New Testament. All right, now we gotta we gotta be fair here. We look at the denominational world and say, well, shame on them. How that is repulsive, but it's just as shameful and repulsive for us. When we sit on our hands and say, well, we can't use those kind of means, so nobody would be interested, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Yeah, so we'll quit trying because we can't compete with that. Yeah, we have the, we bear the same shame when we have yeah. that, that yeah. attitude. Yeah. All right, some good comments in the chat room. We'll get to those when we get back. Uh, we'll take a break and get your thoughts on the other side. If you haven't signed in the chat room, sign in and send your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the virtual Bible study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the virtual Bible study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Will you be the one influenced by others or will you be the one who influences others for Christ? Life without God? Senseless? Meaningless? Full of despair? Yes, to all of the above. Life isn't about just doing what you want to do. It's about doing what you ought to do and what you need to do. Man, wish I'd said that. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about why be motivated in the area of evangelism. Kevin likes that idea. He says he thinks it might be a good way to start with a prospect is tell them the reason you're motivated to teach them. Just come out up front and state the reasons, which we haven't gotten to yet, but uh, certainly uh, would be a good approach. And uh, he is advertising the virtual Bible study on his uh, vehicle with his bumper sticker that he had received from us up good. in Ohio well, tonight. Thank way to go, that, Kevin. Kevin. Way to go. Uh, and he says, I could advertise to get people to grow the numbers in any endeavor, selling goods, networking, clubs, etc. Many efforts uh, that are trying to generate numbers by any means necessary are, as a business does. Uh, any way to gain market share. 
He says, but the gospel is a very focused life and lifestyle, not unity through diversity. He references 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, you all speak the same thing, and there be no divisions among you, but you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. So thank you, Kevin, for those good thoughts tonight. Certainly, uh, the, the scriptures tell us over and over again we're not going to be popular by teaching the truth. I think that's right. Uh, right and, on, Kevin. And, I think you're right but on. Yet some are motivated to be popular. And to have those big numbers, and so they have to compromise in order to to get those the, that accomplish that goal. And then uh, Philip in the chat room says in second in Second Timothy chapter two, verses twenty four through twenty six, the apostle Paul, through inspiration, gives us four characteristics of a servant of the Lord. One of which is being able to teach, with the other three being uh, great qualities of a teacher. But Paul also tells us why we need to have such characteristics, and that is to escape the snare of the devil. Hence, why we should evangelize. And so, Kevin or uh, Philip leads us in to that uh, next question that you posed, and that is why to why to evangelize. What is our real motivation? Yeah. Before we, I got one more thing I want to add right. as a non-factor. I really think it is a non-factor. I don't think it is with a lot of people in the religious world, but with us, I honestly can say it is a complete non-factor. And that is trying to craving people's money, trying to get them, trying to get to their money. Yeah. That is not our factor at all. Um, uh, I, I just I don't know if we can in, emphasize enough to people because a lot of people in the religious world think that's really all your that's all you're interested in. You just want my money, right? That's that's the only reason you're talking to me because you want me you want me to give money. I don't, I don't know if we can say emphatically enough that we are absolutely not interested in in money. God has ordained uh, the free will offering of of Christians, and so you know. When when Christians give, we don't even we don't. I don't know what you give. You don't know what I give. We're just not into the money thing. Oh, now, unfortunately, some of these false teachers and false practitioners in the religious world have given Christianity that bad name. That that's really all it's about is money. Uh, and and unfortunately, I understand how people could feel that way. But please understand, that's not that's not any part of our motivation. You've never heard us ask for any money on this program, as some would uh, use the avenue to try and uh, prosper themselves. Yeah. We're not we're not after that. We're not... If, we're giving away our bumper stickers. Well, well that's probably about <laughs> what they're worth, but... Um, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not about... It's not about the money, although there are many in the dominational world who are. We talked... Uh, this has been probably two or three years ago now... How we looked at how people are gauging the success of their church, and one of them was how much real estate they had. You remember that? how mm-hmm. big their church building was? Yeah. A lot of these materialistic kind of things that it should not be the goal of those no. who are trying. You to know, uh, the Apostle Paul said kind of a, a, a very important expression: Second Corinthians twelve fourteen, "I seek not yours, but you." Mm-hmm. And that really, I, I really believe that that is, I can, I, there's a lot of things that we're, we're coming up short on. I understand it, but I really believe that we, that we are where we need to be on that question of money. We are not craving people's money and that does not serve as our motivation at all. It should not be the motivation of those who want to be pleasing, who want to follow in Paul's footsteps and, uh, the teaching of our Lord. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview dot com. Why are people interested in evangelism? Why should we be interested in evangelism? Well, let's talk about what what really motivates us. Then, Jake, we've talked about what doesn't, what shouldn't motivate us, but what does motivate us? 
And what should motivate us is the spiritual welfare of people. That's along the lines of what Philip said, is that we're trying to snatch people out of the snare of the devil. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Okay. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, there ought to be nothing more important to people or for us than to save people's souls. Because that's, you know, Jesus said in Mark 8, verses 36 and 37, What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Rhetorical questions, of course. With obvious answers. If you gained the whole world and lost your soul, you'd have made a bad trade. There's nothing that you could give in fair exchange for your soul. And that's why he then later commissioned his apostles, and that commission filters down all the way to us today, about 2,000 years later, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, Mark 16, 16, uh, Mark 16, 15. Uh, and and so that's that's what we're about. Uh, uh, we're not high pressure salesmen who are out there trying to make a buck, trying to trying to gain an increase for ourselves. We're just trying to help men save their eternal souls, the most valuable thing of all. All right, good, good. Uh, we have answers that have been submitted that are very similar to that. To Kent says to assist them to attain a biblical fellowship with God and faithful Christians, and that certainly. Uh, goes along with what you said, trying to get people to be in a right relationship with God, and when they are, they will be in fellowship with other believers who are doing the same. Thank you for that, uh, Kent. And then we have Chris in Atlanta who says we should do it for three reasons, and these are all along the lines of what you've mentioned. Number one, God commands it, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Great commission. The Great Commission. Second Timothy 4, 1 and 2, now the Spirit expressly says... I'm sorry, that's 1 Timothy 4. 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. So he says that uh, Timothy there was commanded, and we should be uh, motivated by this as well. And that, that verse there in verse 1 of First Timothy, or 2 Timothy 4 that uh, tells us that God's coming back, Christ is coming back and that uh, he's going to judge the living and the dead. And so we need to be teaching others. And he references Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15, and how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed, and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard, and how shall they hear without a preacher, and how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. And so he says, number one, we, we need to do it because God commands it. Number two, we should do it because we truly love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Mark twelve thirty one. Right, exactly right. No motivation. I want I want to be saved myself, and if I love my neighbor as I love myself, I want him to be saved, just like I want myself to be saved. That's that's real straightforward, right? Yeah, yeah. And then we might want to comment on the fact that to, to to truly love our neighbor as ourselves, we need to be convinced that what we have is valuable. Yeah. I'm afraid some people view uh, their religion as sort of a a shackle. And it's just not, it's not that important to me. If it's not that important to me, then why would I try to in, influence my neighbor with it? We don't understand the blessing that we enjoy. If, if I don't, if I don't have God. a real value, if I don't place a real value in my religion, then there wouldn't be much reason for me to reach out to. My you know, neighbor. if I go to the store and I find a great deal on something, it really, you know, something that everybody needs, and it's a, it's a great deal and bargain. The first thing I do when I get in the car is call somebody. Say, you got to get over here. Yeah. These, they got these things, and it's only this much money you've got to have it yeah. uh, we don't do that with our religion sadly and number three he says if we truly believe the bible that we know few will find the way of salvation and hell is terrible and eternity is forever 
When we really grasp this fact, we will want to share the gospel with as many as we can. I think you're right, Chris. Thank you, Chris, exactly for that. Exactly right. All right. And uh, maybe that's too. Maybe we're we not convinced about how not how wonderful our salvation is, and conversely, how terrible uh, being lost will be. We maybe need to be reminded of that as well. Yeah. Uh, so, what are you trying to do here, Jacob? You're trying to get people to make a commitment to you, no, no. to us, no, uh, to some man-made religious organization, no. Now, what we're really trying to, as we're seeking the spiritual welfare of all men, what we're really trying to do is get them to make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's what it's all about. Uh, we're not seeking a, a, a commitment to a denominational organization a man-made institution uh, we're not seeking a commitment to a, any specific group of people we're trying to get people to commit themselves to jesus jesus is the one who died for our sins and he is the one who offers salvation to all uh, hebrews chapter 5 verse 9 Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. And so that's what we really are trying to do here. And I hope people will understand that that is our motivation. We talked about things that do not motivate us or should not motivate us. But our real motivation is we're interested. The reason why we're doing all this, the reason why we do the virtual Bible study is because we're concerned about men's souls. Right. We want them to do well spiritually. We want to do well spiritually. Uh, we want them to do well spiritually. We want men, all men, ourselves and others, to be truly committed to Jesus. All right. And uh, so that certainly is our motivation. We need to stop and, and contemplate those facts, and they will motivate us as we understand them. Philip in the chat room says, Our message is the gospel, which is God's power to salvation, Romans 1. 16 and 17 paul was not ashamed of that gospel which was is god's power to salvation kevin says i've been studying job this week in one study his friends so-called were focused on the health and wealth doctrine promoted by false teachers today probably because job's friends like worldly people today are looking at spiritual things with physical eyes yeah uh you know that's a lot that is something yeah I, I think that's exactly right and that's uh kevin you're having i know you're in, enjoying that study of job it's such an interesting study uh and and what was that we think that job was probably a contemporary of maybe abraham and so we're looking at some information there that goes back four thousand years maybe mm-hmm. on, on that order and and yet it almost looks like he could have been having those conversations today because those same ideas, the ones that Job's false friends were promoting, those same ideas are out there in the religious world today. And, you know, we talk, we talk, that's a good, good point. We, we don't need to present the gospel as it's going to make your life great and perfect. It, it will, there are temporal blessings, but they're not guaranteed all the time. Uh, what we're what we have is a relationship with God that will have physical blessings, but there may be some physical consequences to pay that we need to be willing to tell people about. But certainly the blessing of being in a relationship with God. Chris says, or Kevin says, good point. Chris talking about Chris's comments. He says our faith is a great blessing. We need to view it as such for yeah. sure. All right. When we get back, how would you answer the person who says, I don't need what you're selling? 
because I'm already a member of a church. Yeah, don't you know? I've actually had people, you know, when we've done door to door work, knocking on doors. People say, "Oh, I, I, I'm already a member of a church. I'm already you know, in a church. Th- I'm in a church. I'm happy with my church." You know, in other words, they just want to send you away, dismiss you, and get you out of their hair more than anything else. Because, and they do that by saying, "Well, I'm already a member of a church. You don't have to be worried about me." Okay, we'll talk about that on the other side. We'll get this week's bullet point in your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. People generally have the idea that a meek individual is one that is extremely quiet, withdrawn, timid, one who finds it very difficult to be confrontational or straightforward. It is thought that it would be hard for a meek person to hold or defend a strong opinion or conviction. Even modern dictionaries define this characteristic as, quote, unduly patient or submissive, spiritless. Such definitions surely miss the mark. Jesus was described as meek, Matthew chapter 21, verse 5, yet he never hesitated to express the truth. His strong rebukes of the hypocritical Pharisees certainly show him as both courageous and confrontational. Moses was said to have been, quote, very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth, Numbers 12, verse 3. But we well remember how he boldly demanded the freedom of the Israelites from Pharaoh and ultimately led the people out of bondage. Do you begin to see that the biblical usage of the word meek is far different than the modern concept? W.E. Vine says, quote, the meaning of protes, the Greek word, is not readily expressed in English. For the terms meekness and mildness commonly used suggest weakness to a greater or lesser extent, whereas the Greek word is nothing of the kind. The common assumption is that when a man is meek, it is because he cannot help himself. But the Lord was meek because he had the infinite resources of God at his command. Described negatively, meekness is the opposite of self-assertiveness and self-interest. It is that spirit that is neither elated nor cast down simply because it is not occupied with self at all. That's from the Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words. Meekness, therefore, is one of the fruits of the Spirit, as we read in Galatians chapter 5, beginning verse 22, and we need it. Let's be sure that we are, quote, showing all meekness to all men, Titus 3, verse 2. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hello, I'm Nick Law from Jennings, Florida. I love to listen to the virtual Bible study and hear God's Word taught every Thursday night. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. Back on the program tonight, thanking you for joining us and reminding you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, or come and worship with us. Find out more about our meeting times and locations at that website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, but that's the best way you can find out more about us by coming in, assembling with us. I think it's important that you do. Because, well, as we're going to talk, we think that it's important that you be in a church that's right with God. Yeah, so let's take let's take on this. Let's keep developing this theme a little bit. We've talked about why we're not trying to get people. We're talking about what our true motivations are or, or ought to be, at least. But we run into people who say, well, listen, you don't need to be talking to me because I'm a member of a church already. Uh I think a lot of times people think that they that they are uh, well. I know I've talked to so many people through the years. They think they're okay. They're in this this religious denomination, and they may be even fairly active in their particular religious group. Uh, they're they're certainly affiliated with religion in in uh, one sense or another. Some people to to a greater extent than others. Uh, 
But what we and, and this is the this is the thing I think is really hard to get across to them. If we're really committed to Christ as we ought to be, then the fact of the matter is we have to oppose denominationalism. Jesus himself opposed division. Yes. Uh, in, in John chapter 17, Jesus prayed just, uh, this was a prayer he prayed just before he was arrested, taken away to be crucified. Uh, so, you know, we've often said this, this is probably more appropriately the Lord's Prayer than the one that people call the Lord's Prayer. The one that people call the Lord's Prayer should probably be more accurately called the model prayer. But this is the Lord's Prayer. This is what he prayed, and this was what was seriously on his mind. You think about that. If if you were praying tonight with full, complete knowledge that you're dying tomorrow, mm, yeah. uh, what are you going to pray about? Well, you're going to pray about the things that are most seriously Probably on your mind. Probably not rain on the garden. or uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who cares about the garden? I'm dying tomorrow. Yeah, I'm not, you right. know. So uh, here's what he prayed, part of it. John 17, verse 20, beginning. John 17, 20. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also, which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. So an important thing on Jesus' mind the night before he was to be crucified was that his followers would be united, that they would be one. Not some false or phony sense of unity and diversity. No, no, no. That's the thing. He said, I want them to be one like you and I, Father, are one. Yeah. A perfect unity, perfect harmony. You don't get anybody to argue with the idea that we ought to be unified. The problem is they just lower the bar. Yeah. <laughs> they say, well, yeah, we're going to be unified, but the only thing that matters is we're going to be unified we're gonna, and we're going to have unity and diversity. Yeah. You believe what you want to believe. You do what you want to do. I'll believe what I want to believe and do what I want to do. But we'll just call that. Unity. We'll have an interface service where it doesn't really matter what even it yeah. doesn't matter if what who who God is. Just as long as you believe in a God, we'll just hold hands and everybody be happy. Yeah, not and, so. Not what Jesus was praying for. And and, and you know Jesus was making uh, made a point here. He said that unity among his followers would be so that the world would believe in Jesus. You know, a lot of people are turned off in religion because of the religious division that exists in the world. Yeah. And uh, but Jesus believed that true unity would be powerful in converting the world. It would be one of the thing. One of the hurdles we're trying to overcome is religious division, yeah. denominationalism. You know, I don't know if people stop to think about what the word denominationalism means. But I always relate it back to grade school when we studied fractions. Mm-hmm. When you studied fractions in, what was that, probably third grade, maybe? Yeah. Um, you write three-fourths. Mm-hmm. The fraction three-fourths. Three is the numerator. Four is the denominator. It's three. It really means three divided by four, right? Mm-hmm. The denominator is what does the dividing the very word denomination means division. And so people who are content with denominationalism are content with division when Jesus prayed that there would not be division. Yeah, right. It's, uh, it, and, and they're happy with it. You yeah. Know, oh, I'm, I'm ha- what, what denomination are you of? I'm in this denomination. And they're saying, how are you making Jesus sad? I'm making him sad with this. Group. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm doing uh, against uh, what he was I, praying I, for. Yeah, he was praying for it, but I'm doing the opposite. Yeah, uh, Jesus wanted us to be unified, but uh, I'm in this group. What group are you in? 
Yeah, I saw. I was looking for a guy today. Uh, to we needed some roof repairs here at the building. We had a windstorm last night, and blew some shingles off, and I know this guy who's in the roofing business. And so I was trying to find him on the internet so I could call him, and uh, I found his Facebook page, and on his Facebook page it said Christian Church of God. He's a Church of God Christian. He couldn't just say he's a Christian. He's a Church of God Christian. Mm-hmm. What's he saying? I'm in a divided group. Yeah. I'm off here. I'm off here in, in this division of Christianity as he views it. Christianity's all divided up into different groups, and his the group that he's a part of is this division over here called the Church of God. Yeah. Jesus prayed for unity of his followers, and people are not adhering to his wish and are doing just the opposite. All right. How would you answer a person who says, "But I'm already a member of a church"? Kent in the in Georgia says. For the past few years, we've been involved in door-to-door evangelism within our community. I have heard this specific reason stated more than any other. My response is generally, we would still greatly appreciate studying the scriptures with you. I found that the more I study the Bible, the better I understand my obligations to God. And so Ken says, well, just tell them that you want to study about... uh, Even though they are a member of some group, we still love to study with you. You know, it uh, it is... Certainly, an effective tool of the devil to allow people to be religious. And then, yeah. then, then that, that he, he doesn't care. No, and in fact, it, it helps accomplish his goal because it satisfies their makes folks think that they're okay as long as they're part of some kind of group. Doesn't really matter what it is. Then he sort of gets them to convince there's no reason to search for the truth. Uh, Chris says, I would start by asking them which church. Then I would try and study with them about there being only one true church, who the head of the church is. And how to be added to that church. All right. Thank you, Chris, for that. Good, good Chris. Um, in the chat room, uh, Kevin says that one of the motivations for teaching can be that to increase our own faith through the additional study that challenges us to, to study more. I think that's right. And uh, Philip in the chat room references Matthew seven twenty one, and this is really to the heart of the matter about the fact just because you're religious, don't think that that's enough. Matthew seven twenty one beginning, not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. He says this gives us a warning that it's not enough to call ourselves Christians in a church calling Jesus Lord if they are, in fact, not doing the will of the Father. I think that's right. You're exactly right, Philip. All right. Yeah, thank you for that comment. And then Kevin says denominationalism is a cancer to God's word. Division is the opposite of unity, and it is the opposite of what God and Christ desire uh, for believers yet people are content kevin goes on and says and maybe even relish in all the denominations yeah i think that's right a couple a couple more verses jacob before we take this last break on the idea of unity of, of believers and how important it is but people have disregarded it people don't care it doesn't matter you believe what you want to believe i'll believe what i want to believe it doesn't matter in the in the minds of most people today but the the new testament emphasizes it a lot yes uh, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Unbelievable. Perfectly joined together in the same mind and same judgment. Uh, speak the same thing. No divisions among you. How could you say it any plainer? And yeah, then it, and the Baptists are saying one thing. The Methodists are saying something else. The Presbyterians are saying something else. They're not speaking the same thing, so how can that be pleasing to God? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
well, maybe we'll save this for when we come back, but uh, the New Testament teaches really there's only one true church for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We'll try to identify that when we come back from this break. But understand that a lot of what's taught out in the religious world is not in harmony with the Scripture. If you think about that, how many different doctrines are there out there in the religious Let's just take the so-called Christian denominations right here in the United States. How many different doctrines are there out there that you couldn't, you couldn't begin to, to catalog them all? Well, how is that speaking the same thing? Right. And how can they all be right? I mean, it's not that, well, you're, you're right and I'm right. We, we take different positions. We both can't be right. For instance, take the very simple question is, is baptism essential for salvation? That's a yes or no question. There's no middle ground. Yeah. It either is essential for salvation or it is not essential for salvation. Yeah. And there are plenty of people on both sides of that issue. We both can't be right. Yeah. And so we are divided on an essential doctrinal point. How can, how can that be? Yeah. That, that can't be right and it can't be adhering to the will of Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. And just, you can't, we, we couldn't start now. And be done by this time next week, talking about all the different views that the denominations hold. Her, you know this, if you're a Catholic, you've got to get married in a Catholic church building. No outdoor weddings. If oh, you can't, you can't have nope, outdoor nope. Oh, I didn't know that. So they say you can't have an outdoor wedding. The, and you're doing outdoor weddings. Yeah, so I mean, it just goes on and on. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, there's just one truth of God. Jesus, John eight thirty two. You shall you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. There's just one truth, and we've got to strive for that truth. We've got to seek it. We've got to make every effort to know it and live it. In Second Thessalonians two verse ten, Second Thessalonians two ten, Paul spoke of some that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. You got to love the truth to be saved. Right. People are going to perish because they don't care about the truth. They don't love it. All right. Kevin says, think about this. To become a denomination, you must denominate God's word. I, that is, to take a portion of it and focus on it to the exclusion of other scriptures. You've got to, you've got to, well, and maybe even twist and pervert it, Kevin, uh, in order to get those denominations. We're going to take a break. When we get back, we're at the top of the hour. I want to talk about what's wrong with the denominationalism and is, we've already talked about that. I think what we need to talk about now is, is the Church of Christ a denomination? Uh, let us know your thoughts on that. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this. Hi, my name is Mike Johnson. I'm a member here at the College of View Church of Christ. Have you ever heard someone say that the members of the Church of Christ are too legalistic? Generally, people say this when we say that we must be careful to follow all the commands that God has given us. When we say, God says we must do this, or God doesn't command us to do that, people respond with, the members of the Church of Christ are too legalistic. Well, while it may be impossible to know exactly what people mean when they make this accusation, if they are accusing us of being legalistic because we say that we should follow all the instructions that God has given us, then that accusation is correct. But let me ask you this. Which of the commands that God has given us should we ignore? Can we pick and choose which commands we follow, or must we follow them all? Jesus said we have to follow all the commands of God when he said in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? We want to call Jesus our Lord, so we try to follow all the commandments that he has given us us. We don't in any way think that following God's commands earns our salvation, but we do think it is necessary to be pleasing to him. Here at the College of You Church of Christ, we're trying to follow every command that God has given us. If, as a result, some people call us legalistic, then so be it. We think it's what God calls being righteous. 
We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Between the years of 2010 and 2012, more than half of all churches in America added not one new member. Each year, nearly three million more previous churchgoers enter the ranks of the, quote, religiously unaffiliated. That information is via the Huffington Post. The Word of God says in Luke 6, verse 46, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Broadcasting around the world with truth that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. Back on the program tonight, talking about why to be motivated in the area of evangelism. What's wrong with denominationalism? Chris in Atlanta says there's only one church, and Jesus is the head of the church. Matthew 16, 18, Colossians 1, 18. People in denominations will try and say denominations are different members of the same body. They are badly misusing Scripture. Their logic does not hold up. If they are just different members of the same body, then each member is speaking something different. In essence, pulling the body in many different directions all at once, which would throw the body into chaos. Each Christian that has been added to the one church is a member of the same body, that is unified in speaking the same things and heading in the same direction. I think you're right, Chris. Yeah. And uh, yeah, in Georgia, says the Church of... Oh, no, he's answering number five. Uh, so, okay, yeah. So that's what's wrong with denominationalism. Okay. Uh, did you get Kent's number four? I think four? he's answering number five oh, okay. or number four there. All right. Oh, let's see. Denominations state that they are smaller than the to- totality of those who constitute the saved in Christ and larger than a local church. Such being the case, denominationalism is not the New Testament church in either sense of usage of the term. That's really a great point Kent's making there. What is a denomination? Well, by definition, it is smaller than the totality of the church. It's a denomination. A subset. A subset. But it's larger, a denomination is larger than a local body of believers, a local congregation. So it's bigger than a congregation, but smaller than the whole universal church you can't read about such a thing uh, in the Word of God. I think that's a good point to make. All right, thank you. Let's, let's, I know we've made this point any number of times on the virtual Bible study, but let's make it one more time. In Ephesians chapter 4, uh, Paul urges Christians, he says, endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Verse 3, that's Ephesians 4, verse 3. So he's talking about unity. He says we ought to work at unity, endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the, in the bond of peace. Then he goes on to set a sort of set a platform of unity. He mentions seven things of which there are only one. There's one body and one spirit, even as you're called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Seven things about which there are one. But he starts out by saying there is one body. Now, if anybody wonders what he's talking about when he mentions the one body, earlier in the same epistle, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22, God hath put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now, get that. The church is his body. There's just one body, so how many churches are there? Yeah. Well, there's just one church, right? Now, that's just too easy. That, that's such a straightforward argument. And that goes to this question about denominationalism again. Denominationalism is just anti-biblical. It's against the principles taught in the Word of God. It's against the principles taught by the Word of God that we speak the same thing, there be no division among us. And it's against the principles of basic logic. How can we all be part of the same thing when we're not doing anything remotely connected? That is the same. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, All right. 
So, now, we've talked about why denominationalism is wrong. Well, what are you saying then? Are you saying that the Church of Christ is not a denomination? That it's something different? What is it then? If it's not a denomination, what is the Church of Christ? To that question, Kent submits, the Church of Christ is not a denomination. Universally, it is the totality of all those who have been saved from past sins. Locally, when following the New Testament pattern, it constitutes the only scriptural authorized unit to accomplish the collective work of the Church. I think that's right on, uh, Kent. If anybody would take the time to listen to that, that would tell them the answer. When we talk about the Church of Christ, the one body, which is the Church of Christ, it is the aggregate of all saved people. Uh, it's, it's called the Church of Christ because that's an expression of ownership. It is the Church of or belonging to Jesus Christ. And so it's not a denominational name. It's a descriptive of what this is. In Acts chapter 2, verse 47, the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So when a person is truly saved by obeying the pure gospel of Jesus Christ, through the blood of Jesus and their faith and obedience, they are saved from their sins. The Lord adds them to the church. What, what church does he add them to? Baptist church? Methodist church? Presbyterian church? Lutheran church? Seventh-day Adventist church? Jehovah's Witness church? I've never read about any of those in the Bible. What church? He adds them to the one true church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He adds them to the the church that we read about in the Bible. Right. It is the church that belongs to Jesus. It is the church of Christ. It's the church that belongs to Jesus. It didn't that, need any ident- and identifiers in Acts chapter two. It was the church. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's interesting. They didn't have to. They didn't have to talk. They, as now, this, which one are you talking about there? Like this guy I was talking about. He's a Christian. He's a Church of God Christian. They didn't have to make those kind of distinctions because those denominated bodies didn't exist back then and they shouldn't exist today. The Lord adds true believers, true obedient believers to the one true church of his Lord and Savior, of, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so when we talk about the church of Christ, that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about some denomination with headquarters in Nashville, Tennessee or someplace else. We're talking about the church that belongs to Jesus. Now that, that church has no worldly organization. Jesus is his head. There is no worldly organization to it whatsoever. There is no headquarters. There is no board of directors. There's no overseeing body. There's no there's no system of bishops or or anything of that sort. The universal church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has no earthly organization. Can't read about it. Can, absolutely cannot read about it. Yeah. Um, now. Uh, that being the case, that's what we're asking. That's what we're trying to get people to be members of that church. We're not trying to get them to join a religious body that men have invented or to change from one denomination to a different denomination. We're not about that. If denominations were okay, then one would be as good as another. Yeah. And you could just and you could. And the person who says I'm already a member of a denomination, we would say, well, you're just fine. Just stay right there. If that's, uh, that's a critical point you just made. If denominations are okay, it doesn't matter which one you're in. Is yeah. that by default? I mean, yeah. it has to be. I think so. Yeah. I think you're exactly right. Okay. But we're asking people to be joined to Christ and to be added by the Lord to his church. That's the same church which Paul and Peter and first all first century Christians were members of. We want people to be a member of that church. Yeah. Not our denomination, not some organization of our invention and organization. 
We want them to be a member of the true church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The way you do that is to learn, believe, and strictly obey the things that are taught in the New Testament. It's going to be following the New Testament. It's not going to be following creeds, because there's which creed do I follow? It's not going to be uh, following any kind of confession of faith, because which one do I follow? It's going to be following the New Testament. And then and only then can we be unified when we agree to the same standard and we submit to that standard. That is the only way that we can be unified, and it is the only way to be pleasing to God. Right. And that's what we believe our, our mission is. Why don't you catch us up in the chat room real quick, Jake? All right, Kevin says uh, one, uh, he compliments Chris on a good point. He says, one head, one body, many members that are unified. If a body rejects an organ or, an or, or, or the organ doesn't function within the body, it is dysfunctional. Kevin, or Kent, I'm sorry, Philip says, a lie of the devil that is taught, believed, or accepted is that the Church of Christ is a denomination. And why this seems true to so many is that there are there is a portions who call themselves churches of Christ that are denominational in nature, if you look at what is taught or practiced. But when we look at the standard that gives us our unity, we can see the difference between denominational churches and the true church of Christ. I think I think Philip's making a good point. There, there are some groups out there who would identify as churches of Christ as a church of Christ, but they are denominational in their very and they would admit nature. that or have that same thought at least yeah, about yeah. admitting it. And so we're we're really trying to overcome several uh, detracting factors uh, in in this argumentation. All right. Kevin says, uh, adding an object, uh, adjective to the term Christian does not does the same as numerators and denominators. Baptist Christian is a division, for instance, like any other adjectives or prefixes. I think that's right. Good comments. And, uh, okay, I think we're caught up on the email. One, one more thing. We're just about out of time. One more thing. We When we talk about ch- the Church of Christ... Uh, we talked about the the one true body of believers universally, all worldwide, who are true believers, obedient believers, are added to the church that belongs to Jesus. They're members of the Church of Christ. Now, that same terminology is used to denote a group of believers in a given locality. For instance, in Acts chapter 13, verse 1, it speaks of the church which was at Antioch. Mm-hmm. So this is talking about a, a local congregation of believers. Now, local congregations do have organization. Local congregations have elders and deacons. Uh, they have the elders as overseers, deacons as specially appointed uh, servants, and, they, and the rest of the members uh, in that congregation. So there is an organization on the local level, no higher. There's no other organization given. It never goes any higher than the organization of a local congregation. But churches and localities belong to jesus too and that's why paul would say in romans chapter 16 verse 16 the churches of christ salute you he was talking about these different local congregations they were a church of christ they were a church that belonged to jesus they were a local group of believers that belonged to the lord jesus christ they were a church of christ again a descriptive not a denominational moniker but a descriptive of what they are a church belonging to jesus all right um in the chat room, Kevin says, I think focusing on denominations is a key point to the beginning of a Bible study. He said, thanks for st- focusing on that tonight. Thank you, Kevin, for joining us in yeah. that study tonight. Thanks to all our listeners. I hope that in discussing this, uh, we are able to make ourselves clear what is motivating us. Why, why do we go to this trouble to try and reach out to people? I hope it can be understood what's really behind that. All right. Good discussion tonight. 
Chris uh, signs off in his email. He says he's he's from hot, hot, hot Georgia. Hot, hot Atlanta. I think he's in Atlanta. He's in Atlanta, and uh, you know it's a that's a bad combination because Chris listens to us while he's jogging. Oh, so Chris, Chris, it's almost you are too it's almost right too now, hot to jog to right this. now. Be careful. Yeah. Man. Slow down and cool off. Yeah. Hey, and wherever you're listening, why not send us an email? Let us know you're out there. Questions at collegeu.com. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. And uh, we'd love to hear suggestions for topics. You know, I, uh, Kyle and I were talking last night. We uh, our, our inbox has been suffering. We've not been getting those uh, regular questions that we can add up for a smorgasbord yeah. uh, program. If you've got some question that you've been studying, something that maybe you wonder about, uh, it, it can be just sort of an off-the-wall question, you know, sort of one of those uh uh, who was Kane's wife, sort of thing, you know, uh, anything like that. Send hey, us you don't, and it doesn't even have to be one a question that you wonder about. Maybe you already know the answer, but you think it'd make for a good discussion. Right? Exactly, I mean, exactly. Just throw right. it out there. Yeah, uh, because those are some of the best programs, I think, when we yeah. have our listeners' questions yeah. that are submitted. Right. All right. Uh, he hasn't been. Kevin hasn't been able to join the study for he says seven to eight weeks. So, Kevin, you're working too much, man. Yeah, we've been missing you, Kevin. Glad that you're back tonight. And, uh, Kyle, thanks for being here tonight. Haven't heard much from you, but thanks for helping us out. It's always good to be here. Thank you for having me. All right. Yeah, thank you for your time tonight. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you again for joining us. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.